On this week's episode of The Fizz, I talk about the Tigers who are no longer with us, why guys like me enjoy fantasy drafts so much, then I break down the Detroit Lions schedule and what I think their win-loss record will be. After that, I close us out with a little over-under. But before I get into all that, I'd like to ask you guys to go follow Score Deals on Instagram. That's at S-C-O-R-E-D-E-A-L-S. It is an app currently being developed in Detroit, Michigan. The way the app works is kind of like betting. Before you watch the sports you love, log into the Score app and see what deals they're offering. You log into the app, you see a deal like Golden Tate catches a touchdown in the first half. If that happens during the game, you redeem your deal at a bar in your area. Learn more by following them on Instagram. That's at Score Deals. That's at S-C-O-R-E-D-E-A-L-S. But now, let's get into the fizz. Chalk with straight shots and then pop bottles. Flirt with the hood rats, then pop models. Uh Chalk with straight shots and then pop bottles. Hello and welcome everyone to episode 7 of The Fizz. I'm your host, Frank Cerise. We are live at the Foundation Hotel. It is Tuesday evening. Uh, For me recording, for you the listener, it should be Wednesday morning or whenever the fuck you're listening. I have no idea when you choose to listen to this, so I don't even know why I attempted to guess. We have a great show for you tonight, and it just got even better with the announcement that Fatboy Jerry will not be calling in. He was supposed to call me uh, for this show, and we were going to do it together, but he just bailed last minute because he said he had two fantasy drafts to do, and he said doing the podcast with the two fantasy drafts, was just too much for him mentally to handle. So instead of two idiots talking, you just got one. Just me today. And let me tell you guys, I am not with a capital N-O-T fucking around today. Let's get right into it. Every single fucking time I want to be done talking about the Tigers, more Tiger shit happens. And even if it's not directly related to the Tigers, I got to talk about it. Last night, which was Monday night, Uh, J.D. Martinez fucking hit four home runs versus the Dodgers, and none of them were cheap shots. That guy is a beauty, and I love him. Um, He's got 34 home runs on the year, 79 RBIs. He's batting uh, 285, and he's 2.7 war right now. Um, So I just got to give a big shout-out, and I love you to J.D. Martinez, even though you'll probably never hear this. You're probably listening to some other losers podcast out in Arizona and he's probably a lot better than I am but I just want you to know that Detroit, Frank Cerise, Champagne Athletics and the Fizz love you with all of our hearts but I'm so glad that you escaped the burning dumpster fire before a hot pile of garbage landed on you like it's landing on everybody else on the Tigers right now. And just to give maybe our uninformed uh, Detroiters and JD fans a little update on how he's doing out in Arizona. He's played 40 games He's got 18 home runs and 40 RBIs, okay? So compare that to uh, the Tigers. He played 57 games with us before being traded, uh, 16 home runs and 39 RBIs. So in 17 less games, he's got two more dingers and one more RBI. His average has uh, plummeted noticeably. He was batting 305 with the Tigers. Um, He's only batting 250 with Arizona. 
Um, but I mean, the guy's just fucking ripping it um, power-wise. So got to salute him. Wish him the best. Uh, go Arizona come the playoffs. But maybe not fully invested in Arizona anymore because we also shipped off someone else during this fire sale by the name of Justin Verlander. So at about midnight last Thursday, uh, the Tigers, after a little bit of back and forth, a little bit of confusion, at least through Twitter, how I was following it, um, shipped Justin Verlander to Houston for three prospects. Um, and it really just showed that the Tigers are absolutely committed to burning this entire, entire thing down to the studs and starting over. Um, it really sucked to see JV go. Um, I've been screaming for a fire sale probably since June of this year. But to actually watch him leave or see him leave and then see the pictures of him in another uniform really kind of hit you in the dick. It really sucked. Um, and just especially for me and I think a lot of Tigers fans, it's just because he didn't win a fucking World Series here. I mean, he pretty much did everything else you could do. He was one of the first pitchers to win MVP since I don't know when. He has a Cy Young, should have won two, six-time All-Star. Um a lot of people don't touch on this, but he won a pitching triple crown in 2011. The Tigers have two triple crown winners. Miguel Cabrera, for RBIs, home runs, and average, won that triple crown. And then in 2011, Justin Verlander won it the same year he won MVP and Cy Young for wins, strikeouts, and ERA. He was Rookie of the Year in 2006. He led the league in wins in 2009 and 2011. Four-time strikeout leader and with two no-hitters. And probably about 50 million other times he cock-teased us with a no-hitter where he took you know no hits into the sixth or seventh inning and everyone thought he was going to throw a no-hitter or he threw a one-hitter or a two-hitter. In my opinion, which you know is only 26 years of a viewing window, he's the greatest pitcher in Tigers history. You never hear too much about old Tigers pitchers, you know, to make that argument. So I just, I mean, Verlander, in my opinion, deserves a statue out in center field. His number should be retired. And I think he's, you know, he's one of the all-time Tiger greats. And I think that's hard to deny. I mean, when he was in 2011, like, he was throwing the ball up to, like, 103 miles an hour and absolutely blowing the minds of everyone who got to watch him. So to have such a long, incredible career, especially with one team, and to be as good as Detroit was... Uh, and never win the World Series is just tough. It's just tough to actually watch the rebuild start to happen. One interesting thing to note about the trade, too, was Verlander had the final say. He had a no-trade clause in his contract where he couldn't go anywhere unless he gave the thumbs up. Um, so he had to say he was okay with this happening, and obviously he did. And you really can't blame the guy. Um, the one thing missing from his resume is a World Series, and he has a legitimate chance to win one down in Houston. Um, he put together on social media a little goodbye video uh, to Detroit fans. It was like him, I'm assuming, sitting in a hotel or his apartment in Birmingham, delivering a message to all the Detroit fans. And here, I'll play it for you guys. You give it a listen. Tell me what you think. Last night I was given 45 minutes to make the hardest decision of my life. As I'm sure most of you have heard by now, uh, I accepted a trade to the Houston Astros. Um, firstly, I want to thank everyone here in Detroit, from the front office to all of my teammates, and especially the fans. The way you guys have treated me over the last 12 years has been uh, so special to me. Um, going all the way back to 2006, uh, when this city was in turmoil, um, I remember the way everybody rallied around our team going to the World Series that year and what it meant to this city and um, what a special, special time in my life. And um, 
you know, I find myself now, I'm excited to go to Houston. Um, it's another city in turmoil right now, as everybody knows. Um, <clears throat> I'm excited to give the city something to rally around and something to cheer for and root for. Um, and hopefully we can bring a championship to Houston. So I'm excited about this next chapter in my life. I realized I, uh, before I played that clip for you that I said, tell me what you think. I'm sitting in a room by myself. You can't really, you can't really tell me what you think. But, but, but let's talk about the video. So I think the goodbye from Justin Verlander was like the most quintessential Justin Verlander like goodbye in the world. Justin has always been an awesome pitcher. Um, let's be honest, he hasn't been an angel of a human. Not that he's been a bad guy either. He stays out of the public spotlight. But, you know, from a lot of, he's never had any issue with confidence. He teeters on the line of cockiness and kind of sassiness. So, you know, him kind of throwing this thing on Tiger's management and not really on himself to begin is kind of the most Justin Verlander thing ever. Like, you know, it just goes like, all right, 45 minutes to make the hardest decisions in my life. Like, I don't know what you wanted me to fucking do. Like, I don't know what you want me to fucking do. I throw a fucking baseball. I don't know what you want me to fucking do. I'm fucking paid. I got a fucking supermodel wife. That's what I hear in my mind. Um, and then, you know, he also goes like, I came to a city in turmoil with Detroit. I'm going to a city in turmoil in Houston. Like, yeah, Justin, you really, you really lifted Detroit from the ground up by its bootstraps. Um, you know, your, your Cy Young really pulled us out of the gutter. Hey, Justin, I love you. I think your goodbye was heartfelt. I'm going to miss you. I always liked you as a player. Um, just you got a little sa sassiness and cockiness to you that you should never shake because it's part of your style. It's part of why you pitch well. But uh, it's, it's definitely funny to hear it in that video. So for me, it looks like I'm, I'm rooting for some warm weather places uh, come MLB playoffs. Go Astros. Go Diamondbacks. Uh, if, the, if the Astros make it to the World Series, I hope they win it in Game 7 with Verlander pitching. And if the uh, Diamondbacks win it, I hope JD hits the fucking walk-off to bring home a championship for them. But now that that fucking baseball shit is done, oh my god. Like, go away, baseball. Go away. I'm done. I'm done with you. It's time for NHL hockey and especially NFL football. And I know the NBA is coming too, and I'll keep an eye on that. But I'm really fucking jacked up for NFL kickoff, guys. Just had the fantasy draft last week. And man, let me tell you, that is that is just a stupid occasion. It is me and eleven other guys that we all went to high school together. Most, pretty much, all of us went to high school together, um, and we just, you know, we can't really grow up. You know, it's a bunch of mildly grown-up men crushing beers, bowls, cigarettes, uh, putting together a fake football team, uh, yelling the meanest things at each other you could ever you could ever yell. You know. We got the homeowner trying to calm us down because he's worried the cops are going to get called because we're, we're screaming at each other so much. Order a shit ton of food, drop the food everywhere. Basically, just fuck up the guy's whole apartment. You know, just can't really can't really grow up, but it's, it's literally so much goddamn fun. The draft of fantasy football might be more fun than playing week in and week out. So, you know, I, I mean, we got done with the draft, and one of my buddies said, all right, let's tear it down and redo it again. And I was like half into the idea because... The draft is just so much goddamn fun. And for anyone out there who doesn't understand fantasy football, I was going to say girls, but, you know, some some girls, I guess, do fantasy football. But, like, you know, there's some girlfriends out there. I know a lot of the guys in my draft, their girlfriends, or in one case, a wife, you know, just doesn't get the fantasy football. She looks at it as childish and stupid and silly and obsessive and egotistic and maybe prideful. You're right, okay? You can hear it from me right now. You are right. You're correct. But 
A lot of my friends, ex-athletes, we all know each other from playing sports, high school sports together. Um, that was that was the peak of our life, you know, playing those goddamn sports, being in shape. Um, for some of us, having all our hair not thinning out. Uh, maybe our teeth were white back then. Um, that was that was a great time for us, and we could compete against each other in a fun way, talk shit, and it was really a dick measuring contest to play sports. We've been out of those things for you know. 10, 8, 10 years now. No real competitive sports for us. Uh, you know, when we get together, we might play like a round of golf. Uh, we could play some fucking pickleball, which my loser friends have started to do. I've fucked around with a little racquetball. You know, I think a couple of the guys tried to do a hoops league, and they went like 0-10 in the hoops league. No one was good. Everyone's smoking cigs, so no one's got any lungs to play in the league. Basically, what I'm trying to say is this is our way to still – compete with each other and talk as much shit as we can in the way of a competition by winning this league or winning a game or winning a week it says i know more about this sport that we all love than you do i know more than you i'm smarter at football i am better i'm stronger i'm smarter i'm faster and i swing the biggest dick in the land if i can put together the greatest fake football team in the world And draft night is the night where you put that knowledge to the test more than any other week during the year. You have thought about who you want, and you pick those players, and you build what you think is the best team you can build to win a championship. And it's only one night of the year. I mean, sure, your your significant other, boyfriends, or whoever, or people who just don't get fantasy in general, I guess, might have more drafts than one during a year, but... The, the draft of a certain league is one time a year. So that's why we get all jacked up. That's why we get all excited. That's why we stay out too late. You know, so we can all get together, smoke, fart, and burp, and make fun of each other for like four hours. And it's just, it's the most wonderful time of the year. If you're still sitting there and you don't fucking get it and you just think it's stupid, that's fine. I don't care. We'll continue to do this one night a year. It's all we ask for, for God's sakes. And with that being said, I'd like to share with you guys, the listeners, who I was able to take home in this draft. Now, it is a 12-person league. It is a PPR league. We did a snake draft. The order was picked at random out of a hat by me. I am the commissioner. The trophy for this league is a handmade wooden Thor hammer. It's fucking awesome. I got it engraved this year to read 12 males fantasy champions, and I put the last two years champions on there because the league's only been two years. So my one buddy got it in 2016. I'm the defending champ who won it last year. Um, I got it. I got it wood. I got the wood of the the mallet part of it engraved, and it just looks fucking awesome. And yes, the name of the league is Twelve Males. Not very creative, but definitely accurate. So I had the number six pick in this draft, uh, dead smack in the middle. And the way I like to build my teams is wide receiver first, pass catcher first. Um, I'm not a huge Running back guy, it's come back to haunt me in a few leagues. And I don't know. I just I won't change my philosophy. I think running backs, you can find them later. They get hurt easier. Um, so the way I picked my team was wide receiver, pass catcher first. So this was the team in order I was able to come out with. At number six overall, Antonio Brown fell to me. 
For some fucking magical reason, Antonio Brown fell to me with a mixture of people in front of me being obsessed with Mike Evans, someone thinking Julio Jones is the best receiver in the draft, and someone rolling the dice on Zeke. So I was able to get Tone Brown at number six for the third year in a row in this draft. Year one, I had pick four. I got Antonio Brown. I ended up trading him in the middle of the year like a jackass and losing the league uh, to my buddy who won with Tone Brown on the roster. Last year, first overall pick, got Tone Brown, won the league. Year three, uh, Antonio Brown goes to six to me. Tone Brown's been on the final roster of the winning team uh, every year, so I'm hoping that works out again. With the 19th overall pick, my second round, I went Alshon Jeffrey. Alshon, I like him this year. I think I like guys in contract years especially. People forget Alshon was an absolute stud. He's a number one wide receiver. I think him and Wentz are, uh, I think they like each other. I hope, they're, I hope him and Wentz are like romantically involved. That's how much I want them to love each other. So I like Alshon. I think I got him earlier than a lot of people like, but we got Alshon. I really wanted... Brandon Cooks at number 19, but my other buddy got him uh, a couple picks before me at 16, um, so I wasn't able to nab Cooks. I was willing to take Cooks in the first round uh, over over everyone except Antonio Brown, honestly. That's how much I like Brandon Cooks, but I got Antonio Brown. Alshon was my second pick. Uh, 30th pick for my third pick overall, uh, I got Gronk. I've never had Gronk. Gronk was not even on my radar before we're going into this draft, but he fell to me, and I don't know if you guys have ever done a live live draft, but, man, you just get all fired up. You see a name, and you just go get him. So I didn't get Brandon Cooks, but I got my slice of the uh, Patriots offense with Gronk. He missed out on the party last year. I'm hoping to fucking uh, hoping he's all juiced up and can just stay healthy and be, be the Gronk we know. Fourth overall, Brady. Love having Tom Brady. Um, he's the beacon of consistency. You really can't beat having Tom Brady. He was the second quarterback taken in the draft. Rodgers was taken at 32. Brady fell to me at 43. I was so happy with it. Fifth overall pick, wide receiver Brandon Marshall, New York Giants. Brandon Marshall, I think, is a great receiver. I really do. I think he's had shitty quarterbacks his whole career, and he still managed to be as good as he's been. He was on the absolute dumpster fire of the fucking Jets last year. So I think with Eli, who I still think sniffs, uh, will be better. Playing with Odell could help too. I think he's going to be number one for week one. So Brandon Marshall at 54. So now I still don't have a running back. This is when it gets a little spooky. Um, This is where I can really lose the league. Last year I did this same approach, and I was able to get DeMarco in – my last pick of the fourth, DeMarco Murray, and uh, LeGarrette Blunt in the 10th. So I got lucky as fuck. I also picked Jeremy Langford, but he went to shit last year. So if you're following my team so far, we got Antonio Brown, Alshon, Gronk, Brady, Brandon Marshall. Now my number one running back overall. This is a little fucking scary. I got Amir Abdullah. Amir the queer. I hope he actually turns out to be a fucking legit running back. Amir, I don't mean that about you. It just it rhymed and it rolled off my tongue. I hope you're the fucking man this year. Be a starting running back. Just be the Lions' number one running back and have some backups. Don't split time. Don't start lining up in weird spots. Be a running back. Catch the ball. Beat out the Oritic. And Zenner doesn't even see the field. Amir Abdullah, 
Be the guy. Just be the dude, man. I'm rooting for you so fucking hard. Just be the number one running back in Detroit. After that, it's starting to get hairy at running back. I got Tevin Coleman. Yikes. That guy's listed as a true backup, and that is my starting running back uh, behind Amir Abdullah. So the running back situation, Amir and Tevin Coleman, not ideal. Not ideal. If uh, DeMarco Murray go, or uh, sorry, not DeMarco Murray, Devonta Freeman goes down, you know, maybe we're in, maybe we're in a little different conversation. So, on to another running back for my, I don't even know what we're on, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. My eighth overall pick, Derrick Henry. Uh, I love me some Derrick Henry. I think he's great, and I love that he's right on the lines uh, if DeMarco Murray does go down. So we got, uh, we got Derrick Henry for that pick. Ted Ginn. I got him uh, with my ninth pick overall. I think he's going to be – I think he's a solid addition. I got some stock in Ted Ginn. I think he's the number two out in New Orleans right now. Uh, people kind of overlook that. I know Mike Thomas is an absolute beast. I know there's a lot of mouths to feed out in New Orleans, but Willie Sneed suspended three games, and Ted Ginn's going to have a shot to fucking do something in a pass-heavy offense with a lot of weapons. So I'm hoping Ted Ginn can sneaky be my flex. After that, we went Corey Davis. Love me some Corey Davis. Um, I know he's been hurt first few games, but Western Michigan is probably my favorite, my second favorite college uh, in the world uh, behind Michigan State. Love me some Broncos. So I'm hoping Corey Davis can work with Marcus Mariota and the rest of the guys out there and really get something moving in Tennessee. Um, and they got Decker. So, you know, Jesse, Jesse James will be rooting him on, which always, you know, kind of gives me a little extra excitement about the Tennessee Titans. At pick 124, I picked my arch rival in the football world, Eric Ebron. Oh, Ebron. He's backing up. uh, He'll be backing up Gronk for me. I have no fucking clue. I hated him as the number 10 overall pick back whenever the fuck we got him. I don't think he's done shit, but I think he's got some fucking talent. If he could pull his head out of his ass or whatever he needs to pull out of wherever to be a good fucking tight end, I think he can do it. But he's just, he's just pissing me off. So, okay, what round are we in? So just to recap, Antonio Brown, Alshon, Gronk, Brady, Brandon Marshall, Amir Abdullah, Tevin Coleman, Derek Henry, Ted Ginn Jr., Corey Davis, Eric Ebron. Now we are on to round 12 where I was able to sign Thomas Rawls. Uh, I like Rawls in that backfield because I don't think Seattle knows what the fuck it's doing. I don't. I, I can't even picture Eddie Lacy in Seahawks gear, so that's just kind of weird for me to think he might be starting. And then between between uh, Lacy, Rawls, and Procise, I like Rawls the most. So at round twelve, I'm really praying that him or Derrick Henry turns out to be one of my starting running backs or Tevin Coleman. I got a lot of stock in the guys in front of my running backs going down. I'm not rooting for anybody to go down. It would just be nice for one of my players to uh, get a spot over them. Okay, so for my 13th round pick was a meltdown. I At this point, I was definitely, definitely drunk, um, you know, inebriated. I was running this entire draft. We had a couple of guys remote, so I was working with them. I was not thinking for this round 13 pick at all. I ended up picking Eli Rogers out of Pittsburgh. Dumb decision. He might be in the slot. He might be like the fourth receiver. I could have got him undrafted, but I panicked and picked Eli Rogers. But spin zone on this whole thing, as soon as the draft ended, I dropped him and I picked up Charles Sims from Tampa Bay. Again, I think the Tampa backfield is a mess um, and anything could really happen. Dougie Martin never really plays a full season. Jacquiz Rogers is good. 
And the funny thing is, is I meant to draft Jacquiz Rogers and ended up picking Eli Rogers because I wasn't paying attention and I couldn't stop drinking LeVat Blues. So I ended up with the wrong fucking player. That's what I get. Then I needed a backup quarterback. We went Andy Dalton. After Dalton, I went uh, Matthew Prater, who's arguably my favorite pick of the draft. I fucking love Matthew Prater so goddamn much. That alcoholic can kick the shit out of the ball. He's awesome, and he deserves an extension. I love Matthew Prater. You're going to hear me praising Matthew Prater this whole goddamn season. Love me some Matthew Prater. And then I got the Falcons defense for no reason, uh, for no in particular reason. Um, So just to recap, my team, Antonio Brown, Alshon Jeffrey, Rob Gronkowski, Tom Brady, Brandon Marshall, Amir Abdullah, Tevin Coleman, Derrick Henry, Ted Ginn Jr., Corey Davis, Eric Ebron, Thomas Rawls, Eli Rogers is not on the team anymore. I got Charles Sims, Andy Dalton, Matt Prater, and the Atlanta Falcons defense. Ayo, damn on So now that I've talked to you guys about something you probably don't give a flying fuck about, I'd like to discuss something that you may care a little more about, and that is this upcoming NFL season, and most specifically, our Detroit Lions. <laughs> So Detroit this year, I'm looking at their schedule, and I I truly believe that they have one of the hardest schedules in the NFL. And I want to hit you guys with a mildly, like a war like a warm take. It's not it's not like flaming hot or smoking hot, but I think I think it's got a little heat to it. Um, so my theory is on this for this upcoming Lions season with the schedule they have, if they lose. I think, I think the outcome of this first game will determine kind of where the rest of this season goes. And I think the first game of this NFL season is a lot bigger than, uh, you know, it would seem being just week one. I know every week is huge in the NFL because there's only 16 weeks of playing. But I think this week one for the Lions is big. One, they're at home. You, you, got, you should, you know, you want to defend the den. You want to win all your games at home. Two, they're playing Arizona, which was a perpetual disappointment team last year. Arizona was supposed to be good, a Super Bowl contender. Um, they have, like, one of the number one fantasy guys in David Johnson. Carson Palmer still wants that Super Bowl. Arizona is going to look to bounce back, especially with Bruce Arians as their coach. I think he's a great coach. And I think last year they finished 7-9, and nine, which was a disappointment. I think was a little bit of a fluke. I don't think they're going to be great this year, but I do not think they're going to be as bad as they were last year. So I think Arizona is going to come out this year with something to fucking prove. So with that being said, I think this Zona game, especially with the Lions schedule, as I'm looking at it, is going to be a big one. And I think it's going to set the tone for how the rest of the season goes. So let's walk, let's walk through it. So I'm going to stay an optimist. I'm going to be an optimist on this season because I'm, I'm an ignorant fucking Lions fan. I'm a blind Lions fan who says he's going to defect every year, but he doesn't because he's fucking loyal to the Honolulu blue and silver. Um, so I got week one, a win versus Arizona. I got no scores on these. Um, I'll write an article later where I predict all the scores and shit like that. But, um, I got a, I got a win at home with Arizona next week. We go on the road to the New York giants. And I just want to ask the NFL, what the fuck are you doing 
What are you doing? We just played there last year. Why are we playing there again? Two years in a row, I just, I just don't get how it makes any fucking sense how we play in the same place outside of the division two years in a row. Last year was December. We lost. I bet on the Lions. All they had, I had the Lions in a teaser. They had to cover an 11-point spread, and they couldn't fucking do it. Uh, and they, they lost by more than 11. So I got them losing in New York. I think it's tough to win in New York. I think that might be Odell's first game back. I got them losing in New York. Then they come home and they play defending Super Bowl runner-up Atlanta. Um, as much as I think Atlanta's not going to be as good as they were last year, I still have us losing to Atlanta at home. Um, so right now, one and two, just checking in. All right, then we go on the road at Minnesota. Not an easy place to win uh, or play. Uh, within the division, I think on the road is always tough, but I think we, we even it up there. So we'll go two and two, beating Minnesota. Uh, after that, we come back. Uh, and we play, we're at home versus Carolina. I think Carolina has a bounce back year as well. I think they're better than they were, but I think the Lions beat them. I think Stafford has a big game versus Carolina, and I don't know. That's all I got. I just think we beat Carolina. Cam gets frustrated. It'll be real loud uh, at Ford Field. We'll shut, we'll shut them down. We'll get that W. Moving on to week six, and for those of you keeping track at home, I have the Lions at three and two through week five. So week six... We go on the road to New Orleans. This is the third year in a row that the Detroit Lions have played at New Orleans. It makes absolutely zero sense. I was bitching about it with two times with the New York Giants. They've had the Saints three years in a row on the road in the Superdome. I went to the game, was it two years ago? Yes, I went to the game two years ago. I was so drunk. I couldn't even see the fucking 50-yard line, but I know the Lions won the game. Lions won the game the game after that one, too. The Lions are 2-0 in both those games in New Orleans. I got them beating them again, all right? 3-0, we own the Superdome, okay? Fuck the Saints. Fuck the NFL for putting that schedule together three years in a row. It makes no fucking sense. Maybe I should be thanking you because we win every time we're there. Three times is going to be tough, but they're going to do it. So right now, if you're keeping track at home, I have the Lions at four and two. All right, four and two. After week six, we go into our bye. Four and two, the whole fucking fan base is going to be jacking off to a four and two record, saying they're so pumped that we got Stafford. Uh, they like the way they got the team headed. Blah blah blah. They're going to say how good of a how good of a uh, how good of an owner Quinn is and how they like the direction this guy's headed. Everyone's going to be just. Fucking losing their minds over these Lions at four and two through going into the bye week um, in week seven. So week eight, we come out, we play the Steelers at home. That's a loss. I got the Steelers losing. Uh, Le'Veon, Toe Brown, too many weapons there on the offense. I just don't think we're able to shut down the Steelers. It is good, though, that we have the Steelers coming out of the bye. I love teams coming out of the bye. Um, don't love the Lions versus the Steelers, even though they are at home out of the bye. I still got the Steelers winning that game, so now we're at four and three. From there, we go on the road to Green Bay, and this is when the tides start turning. Uh, so now we're four and four. Oh, I got. Sorry, I got them lose. I have super loss to Green Bay. I have like I have super loss. Um, I just think at Green Bay we stink. I think Green Bay is going to be pretty damn good this year, and I don't think we hang in Lambeau. So now I have us at four and four. 
this is when people will start to hate the fucking team again. Um, back-to-back losses, especially out of the bye. One at home will say we'll never win at Green Bay. They don't know if we should have re-signed Safford. Quinn might not have it figured out. This is just our stupid fucking fan base. I'm part of this fan base. This is not just me dogging you, but this is us at 4-4, four and four, okay? The good thing about being 4-4 four and four and everyone losing their mind at this point, we get exactly what we need with a game at home versus the Browns. And I have super win there. So we're going to go super loss, then we're going to go super win, okay? We're going to just absolutely shit in the Cleveland Browns' mouth. Fuck the Browns. We're at home versus them. We're going to kill them. Right after that, we get another game that we need. At home – oh, no, we're, no, we're not at home. We're in Chicago versus the Bears. Now – I think the Bears absolutely fucking stink, but again, a division game on the road, nothing's guaranteed, but I think we pull off like a shitty win at the Bears to improve to 6-4. and four. At this point, everyone will be losing their goddamn minds again, saying they think the Lions can compete for the, super, the division and even the fucking Super Bowl. Um, and they'll say the Stafford signing was the best thing ever because he'll have, you know, 600 yards versus the Bears and the Browns in back-to-back weeks. Then we move into week 12, uh, and we're sitting at we're sitting at six and four at this point. And this is where we have a letdown game. The Lions are the quintessential letdown team for a letdown game. When things start rolling, when things start cooking, everyone's feeling good. They love losing a game they should win. They'll have Minnesota at home. Everyone will be so fired up to be seven and four, and they'll lose this game. They'll they'll do something fucking stupid. A punt will lose it. Uh, something dumb will win this game. A safety, something fucking ridiculous, and the Lions will drop to seven and... Oh, no, sorry. They'll drop to six and five after the Minnesota loss. They'll drop to six and five, and everyone will be losing their minds. Then we're going to go to Baltimore. That heartbreaking loss, we're going to bounce back. We're going to win a tough game in Baltimore. I don't think Baltimore is that good. Um, it's going to be a real boring game, real defensive game. Lions win that game, improve to seven and five. From there, we go at the Bucks. Uh, we're not going to be able to shut down their offense, and it's just going to be one of those fucking letdown games that doesn't let us get over the hump. This game could put us at, um, you know, 8-5. and five. We're sitting real pretty to make the playoffs, maybe in the position for the division, maybe, but this will be another letdown game just to be like, oh, my God, just to make it fucking interesting, the Cardiac Cats. So I have them at 7-6 through Week 14. Moving on to Week 15 versus the Bears. It is just what the doctor ordered, a home game versus the shit-ass Bears. Um, I think we blow them out there, 8-6. and six. So now we're sitting at 8-6 and six with, uh, with two games left to play here, real Lions stuff. We're going to go at the Bengals there, at Cincinnati. We're going to win that game to go 9-6. and six. And then, of course, as it always is, the Lions will have a chance to solidify either the division or a solid a solid spot in the playoffs without making it too interesting if they just beat Green Bay in the last game of the season. They got Green Bay at home to close the season. They'll be going in 9-6, and six, and they will lose this game like they always do at home, finishing the year at 9-7. and seven. Hey, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that is not correct. But I got the Lions at 9-7 and seven this year. They're going to make the playoffs as a wild card. Green Bay is going to take the division. And that is my prediction for the 2017 Detroit Lions season. I will follow this up with an article giving scores and other bullshit details of what I think will happen. But that's what I got. I got the Lions at 9-7. and seven.
All right, so now that everyone's all juiced up on uh, football season, I know I am. I'm fucking sweating. I got my sweater on. This this room is freezing, but uh, the football season, that fantasy, that lion stuff really gets my blood pumping, so I'm actually pretty warm today, which, uh, which is a nice change of pace. Um, and speaking of a change of pace, who doesn't love fucking segues? Uh, speaking of a change of pace, let's step back from the sports a little bit. Uh, maybe they're, you know, maybe not huge sports people. Maybe I just spoke for, you know, 25 minutes to a couple of you and you have no idea what I'm talking about, but let's step away from the sports and I'll close today's show out with a little over under today's over under was submitted by my friend, Megan. Megan is a wild child who likes whiskey and the red wings. Um, I'd say just about as much as me, sometimes maybe even more, which is saying a lot, um, but huge Wings fan, huge whiskey fan, so we have remained friends uh, for a long time. So Megan has sent over the over-under words today. This is how we will close the show. There will be no Game of Thrones winners and losers because obviously that, that, show's, that show's done uh, for now. Um, so let's, let's get it started with a little bit of over-under. First word is r r Whiskey. r r Whiskey, easy one. Underrated. If you guys don't know what r r Whiskey is, it's all I drank in college. It stands for rich and rare. Uh, you can find it on the bottom shelf of most liquor stores covered in dust. You have to dust it off before you get it. Um, and it costs you roughly whatever the change is in your pocket. I don't even think there's a price tag on that thing. It just says, like, whatever you got on you... Um, you can buy it. It is dirt cheap. It tastes like shit. The hangovers literally feels like you just got uh, the living shit beat out of you by Conor McGregor. So r and whiskey, underrated. That shit got me through college or hindered, or hindered my growth as a human. Either way you want to look at it, I think it's underrated. Next word. <laughs> Blumpkins. Wow. Uh, Blumpkins. I... I've never had I've never uh, had the pleasure of experiencing a Blumpkin. I have to imagine they're underrated. You know, I, I imagine it's one of those things like, ew, gross, a Blumpkin. Like, I don't want a Blumpkin. And then I bet you, like, mid-Blumpkin, you're like, eh, this, this isn't bad. It's kind of underrated. You know, like, sure, I'm, you know, taking a shit. But maybe, maybe this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I'm assuming they're underrated. I have no idea. If anybody's... Had a Blumpkin, shoot me a text. I'll make the correction on the next Fizz show. Number three, Kid Rock. Uh, Kid Rock's a controversial figure right now, but I love Kid Rock. I love me some Kid Rock. I think he's underrated. I think, I think he's an artist. Um, not saying that his views and his political views like are so artful. Like I don't think he's a real artful guy. I think he's just true to what he is, which is kind of like a white trash kind of cowboy from de- from the Detroit area, and I think he reps the living fuck out of it. He is who he is. I think he cares about a lot of people. I don't think the guy's a racist at all. I think he might have a little obsession with the Confederate flag, which is pretty whack. But all in all, I like his music, and I think he's pretty badass, so I'm going to say underrated. Next one, the, the Mayweather-McGregor fight. Uh, it was underrated because I thought it would be overrated. The hype was so much... And the Pacquiao-Mayweather fight fucking sniffed dicks. So I thought this was going to be the same thing, especially with a guy who doesn't box. And I just thought that fight was fucking awesome. I thought that fight was very entertaining. McGregor put up a hell of a fight. And you just saw that Mayweather was the more experienced boxer. 
Um, and I thought they both said great things after. I thought it was good for the sport of boxing, fighting in general. I don't know if they just tricked us both into making a bunch of money. I don't really care. The fight was great, and it absolutely took a dump on Mayweather Pacquiao. Next one. The name Little Caesars Arena. This name is not overrated or underrated. It is irrelevant. It's the name of the fucking stadium, and it doesn't matter. They, they own the team, they own the building, and they put their name on the fucking building. That's all there is to it. It was never going to be Gordie Howe Arena or Steve Eiserman Fantasyland or Ice Hockey Fun Town. It's fucking Little Caesars Arena. That's it. It's not overrated. It's not underrated. It's just what it is. It's fucking life. They paid for it. They get the naming rights. Little Caesars Arena, LCA. I can't wait to go into the goddamn place. Next one, Jeff Blaschel. Uh, Jeff Blaschel's getting shit on. People still have some hope with him. I'm going to go with, like, he, he was hired as overrated. I thought this guy was going to be great. Um, kind of looks like he's having a lot of issues right now, especially if Anthony Siu goes to fucking Russia because it seems like he hates him, and it seems like a lot of the players don't listen to him at all. Kind of seems like Zetterberg might be running that team in there. So I'm going to say Jeff Blaschel's definitely overrated at this point. Um, until he fucking does something for me, um, I need more from the guy. I need more from the guy for him to get on my positive radar. Um, wow, Megan, great work on this next one. Fantasy football draft day is underrated. It's the greatest fucking thing in the world. For me, it's better than Christmas. Christmas is actually kind of sad for me. Let's not go down that road. Fantasy football draft day is the best goddamn thing in the world. I literally just did like a 10-minute segment on why it's so goddamn great, so I won't jump down it again. But literally as I'm recording this thing, my buddy is texting me about who to take in his draft, and another buddy's texting me about who to take in his other draft, and I keep I keep helping them out because I just can't get enough of fucking fantasy football drafting. It's the best thing ever, and it's underrated. Getting beat up by a girl. That was the next one on the list, if anybody was confused about my transition there. Um, the reason... Megan put this one on the list is because she beat the living shit out of me in college. Um, one time I was at their house up at college, a lot of whiskeys, a lot of Red Wing hockey, a lot of tailgating, long day, um, and we both had Red Wings jerseys on. She was wearing Shanahan, I was wearing Iserman, and the devil just possessed us, or maybe Ball with the Ball by Kid Rock came on, not sure, one of the two, maybe it was Let the Bodies Hit the Floor, not sure the exact song, but whatever it was, provoked us into fisticuffs and you know she had a lot more fight in her than I could ever imagine she bagged me and she buried me she cut up my face pretty good and I forever now will be known as a guy who got beat up by a girl and I gotta say getting beat up by a girl is underrated um you think it could never happen but let me tell you it's a real humbling experience it changed me as a person it made me never underestimate the power of a woman and never underestimate the power of a strong woman. So good for you, Megan. You won the goddamn fight, um, and I hope you never let it go because, honestly, it's a shining star on your resume as a human. Um, next one on the list, sexting. Um, I guess I, sexting, I got to go overrated. Sexting's got to be a little bit overrated. Um, too much media flying around. If someone gets a sext from you, uh, they're, you know, they're a screenshot away, a picture away from just, you know, ruining everything, ruining your life. Your, your wiener could be floating around uh, on the internet next thing you know. Um, you know, I, I think it's overrated. If you want, if you guys want to show each other's privates, maybe meet up and, you know, do it. But otherwise, if they capture the media and then my wiener ends up on the internet, that's definitely um, an overrated experience. 
And next one on the list is, um, of course, she throws in Hurricane Harvey. I'm going to say underrated. That seems like a very powerful storm, and people are still dealing with the mess of Hurricane Harvey. Pray for Houston. Um, all right, guys, that is it for the Fizz today. Definitely a lot, little longer than usual, um, but I hope you guys enjoyed, and I want everyone to have a wonderful NFL kickoff week this week and to just have a great week in general. All right, see you guys. Chalk with straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Flirt with the hood rats, then pop models. Uh -huh. Chalk with straight yeah. shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Look like I got on a championship ring Cause I ball hard